Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. Do you believe the Bible is the Word of God? Or do you think it's just another human book that doesn't even give that great of advice? If you're listening to this podcast, I can probably guess your answer. But let me ask you this. God said the crowning pinnacle of his word is the law to love your neighbor as yourself. When you consider the judgments you make about people, do those judgments reflect a heart that really does regard the Bible and that love command as God's word? James 4.11 Brothers, do not speak against one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. When you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who's able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. What law is he talking about? Same law he's been talking about throughout the book, the royal law of scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. That law comes from Leviticus 19, which is, no surprise, also where the the prohibition about slander is found. Same paragraph. Leviticus 19.16, don't go around uh, spreading slander among your people. Verse 18, do not seek revenge or bear grudge against your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. That's all part of one statement. It's still part of the love command. So what James is saying is, you, you, you break that command, you're judging the law. When my words about other people are critical and negative and gossipy, that exposes a judgmental heart in me, number one. And if I have a judgmental heart, that means that I have looked at God's royal law, the law to love my neighbor as myself, and I've, I've judged that to be unworthy of my obedience. When we trash others in our speech, it's because of a low view of the Bible. And that's, that's a little tough for us to take as evangelicals, right? Because as evangelicals, we're people have, we, we have a high view of God's word. That's what marks us, right? That's what we're all about. That's what the evangelical, that's how it started, right? The, the liberals came along and they said, well, the Bible's not really the word of God and that's got mistakes in it and not everything in the Bible is true and there's some good lessons in there, but it's just a human book and you can't really trust the history and the science and it's got this mistakes. That's liberalism. And, and the evangelical movement started as a reaction against that. Men like John, uh, George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards um, reacting against it. They said, no, there's no mistakes in the Bible. It's God's word. Every bit of it is breathed out by the mouth of God. And that's what we believe at this church. That's what we believe. This is God's word. Everything in here is God's word. And Jesus said um, that the Bible is God's word. And, and, and we trust him more than we trust any scholar anywhere. So as evangelicals, we pride ourselves on, on the high view of Scripture. And I say, this is God's word. And you say, amen. And that's, that's true. But then what James comes along and he tells us, hey, when we put each other down and we're against each other, you're a liberal. You're, you're just being a liberal. If you disobey Scripture, it means you've got a low view of Scripture. Regardless of what you claim, you've got a low view of Scripture. We might claim to believe that the Bible is God's word and that it's absolutely authoritative and, that it, and disregarding it is a big deal. We say that, but when we disregard it, our actions are saying something different than our words, right? Our actions are saying, we think it's okay to take God's word lightly. That's why we disobey. 
Remember when God rebuked David for his sin of murder and adultery with Bathsheba through Nathan? This is what he zeroed in on in 2 Samuel 12, 9. He says, why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what's evil in his eyes? The word despise doesn't mean to hate. You see the word despise in the Bible. It doesn't mean hate. It means to take it lightly, to think, think little of it. That's what we do when we disobey the love command. We're taking it lightly. We're evangelicals in name, but liberals in practice. And we're taking God's word lightly. We, we fail to take God's word seriously, and we forget how much God loves that person that we're, we're speaking against. If we had any concept at all of how much love God has in his heart towards that person that you're upset with, we would never dare speak. We would be afraid to speak against him. Numbers 12, 8. God says, why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? God says, explain that to me. Explain one thing to me. How is it that you're not terrified at the idea of speaking against my servant? In that particular case, it was true because, especially true because of the fact that Moses was chosen, especially chosen by God as a leader. That's significant because very often people think that they get a free pass when it comes to uh, slandering leadership. Somehow in this country, you're just supposed to do that. You're supposed to speak against leadership all the time. And so they gossip and grumble about leaders in ways that they would never dream of talking about anybody else because they think it's okay because they're in leadership. But the logic that God uses in Numbers 12.8, it goes in the exact opposite direction of that. If it's a leader, it's even more reason to be afraid to speak against him. But I would suggest that the principle would apply to anyone, not just a leader, but anyone who's a servant of the Most High God which is any Christian. We should be scared to death at the thought of speaking against someone the Lord dearly loves. You go up to a really tough guy in a bar and say something about his mother, look out, right? Why? Because you're going to be afraid to do that. Why? Because something's going to happen to you. Don't speak against people God loves. And don't forget the power behind the tongue. Not only, not only does it, is it wrong for those other reasons, but it does damage. This is, this is coming right on the heels of chapter 3, right? When James said in the beginning of chapter 3 about the power of the tongue. It's a restless evil. It's full of deadly poison. It's a wildfire. It's ignited by hell itself. It'll hurt the person. You know, maybe you'd never dream of actually walking up to that person and punching them in the nose, right? Physically assaulting the person. But you can bring ten times the devastation in their lives through gossip than you ever could with a punch in the nose. Paul warned us about that in Galatians 5. Remember Galatians 5.15? If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. He says, what do you think is going to happen if you just keep nipping at each other and you keep biting each other? I mean... Imagine the picture is two wild animals and they're just fighting and they're tearing each other, biting and they're evenly matched. And they keep that up. They keep clawing and biting and scratching until eventually they, they inflict wounds on each other and they both die. That's the picture here. We're going to destroy ourselves if we do that. We will destroy. We have power in our tongues to destroy. 
You know, people are all worried about the government is going to shut us down. They're going to put us in jail if we preach about homosexuality or the persecution that's coming or whatever. And I'll tell you something. The government does not have the power to destroy a church. They've tried it for thousands of years. It's not going to happen. They're not, the, destroy, the government can't do that. The IRS doesn't have that much power to destroy a church. For us to be destroyed, we have to do it. We would have to destroy ourselves. And that's exactly what will happen if we keep practicing the, um, this biting and devouring each other. And it's a very big deal to do that, to to ruin a church, because it doesn't belong to us. See, it belongs to Christ. These people seated around you right now, this this thing that happens here on Sundays when we come together, you realize that this, this cost Jesus his life to, to have this We need to think twice before we open our mouths and strike a blow at the bride of Christ. So if we speak against one another, that's a symptom of a judgmental heart and it's a passing judgment on uh, on the law of God. It's a despising of the law of love. And then James goes on to say, when you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, you're a judge. Back in, remember back in chapter 1, in, in verses 23 to 25, he said, we need to be doers of the word of God. Be, don't be a hearer only, be a doer. Be a doer of the word. Learning God's word is worthless if you're not a doer of God's word. You just learn it, you don't do it, that's worthless. And James here says, uh, it's impossible to be a doer and a judge. I mean, the whole goal is to be doers, right? We want to be doers. Doers of the, of the law. It's impossible to be a doer and a judge. You can't do both. Because a doer submits himself under God's law and a judge elevates himself above God's law. You can't be in both positions. This is one of the most fundamental crossroads you're ever going to face in your lifetime. What is your posture going to be with this? What are, you, are you going to take a humble, submissive posture to the word of God? Or are you going to be a critic? Are you going to pass judgment and give all your opinions about, well, I don't like this this thing in the Bible, and I don't know if I accept that, and this part's hard to believe, and this part doesn't fit my, my ideas, and I don't like... When you read the Bible, are you looking up at it or down at it? Are you looking up from the posture of a humble servant, or are you looking down from the perch of a critic? Whichever one of those postures you take will determine the trajectory of your life and ultimately your eternal destiny. When God forbids something that doesn't really seem all that evil to you, is your response, but, 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 or is your response, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Imagine God appeared to you and asked, what do you think of my word? I'd like to get your opinion on my masterpiece law, the royal law of my word that sums it all up. Love your neighbor as yourself. What do you think? You wouldn't dream of looking at it and saying, eh, I don't know. I've seen better. Why don't you rework that one, God? I think you can do better. We would never say something like that, but it's exactly what we're saying to God when we take that command lightly. When you talk about someone... Does it ever occur to you that the words coming out of your mouth reveal your attitude toward the Word of God? Think about how much slack you cut people in the judgments you make about them. 
Does that reflect a heart that regards the royal law of Scripture as royal? I have hidden your word in my heart, Lord, that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. I will obey your word. Open my eyes that I might see wonderful things in your law. Don't hide your commands from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. Your statutes are my delight. They're my counselors. Let me understand the teaching of your precepts. Then I will meditate on your wonders. I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. I delight in your commands because I love them. I lift up my hands to your commands, which I love, and I meditate on your decrees. Help me to see, Lord, that whenever I pass judgment on my brother, I'm passing judgment on your perfect law. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of James. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. And if you like listening on your phone, get our free mobile app. Install the Church One app from the Play Store and select Food for Your Soul. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.